0: Hey there, Darren Garman here and welcome to the Heartland Multifamily Show, the place for all things multifamily. But today, this is more of what I would call an emergency podcast, an emergency podcast, because as I am recording this, there are some banks failing right now, some banks failing right now. And we've not seen banks failing for a number of years, it's probably been somewhere between 13, 15, 17 years, something like that, is really the last time we've seen uh, this, number one, the numbers of banks failing, number two, the size of the banks failing. Now, of course, from time to time here or there, banks fail here or there once in a while, Um, that just happens, but in terms of the impact that we're seeing today, just with The handful of banks that have failed or on the brink of failing has really caused quite the stir. So much so that uh, I have gotten more emails, more text messages about, hey, Darren, what do you think about this? What's going on? What what should I be thinking of doing? And so we're going to have that conversation right now on this episode, this emergency episode, of the Heartland Multi-Family Show. Welcome to the Heartland Multi-Family Show, the shorter, more profitable path to multifamily ownership and investing. All right, let's jump into what you need to be thinking of with a bank crisis. Is there a bank crisis? What should you be doing? What are some of the things you should be thinking of? And more than that, What should you do? What should you do? And so a couple things I wanna get straight with you before we get into the information that you're gonna find very valuable. I promise you're gonna find this information valuable to you. First of all, number one, it goes without saying. If what I'm talking about on this episode resonates with you, uh, I'd love to hear your comments. So post your comments below. Let's have some dialogue. I would love that. Secondly, if, again, what we talk about here means something to you. If something clicks while you are watching or listening or both, subscribe to this channel. All right. And then there's a third thing. Number three, what I'm going to be doing on this video and during this episode, I'm going to be creating what I call evergreen information. All right. Evergreen information. What do I mean by evergreen information? What I'm going to be covering here is going to be information that's good to know, not only right now, Okay, not only a year from now, but you can go back, watch and listen to this three years, five years from now and have a pretty good foundational understanding of some things you should be thinking of consistently doing actions you should or even in some cases shouldn't be taking as well. So this isn't just meant, um, hey, here's what you need to do in the next week or here's what you need to do by, by tomorrow. This is evergreen. So this will be going, this will be information that you can use today, next year, three years from now, 10 years from now. Okay. So that's our foundation here. That's our foundation. So Darren, tell me something, because you may be asking yourself this already. How is it that you have any kind of um, knowledge on this? How is it you have any kind of uh, expertise or authority on the banking? I thought you were just pretty much... You know the multifamily guy, and you're doing your multifamily thing there in the heartland of America. Well, what a lot of people don't know is for five years, I helped start and sat on the board of directors of a bank. That's correct. I, uh, one day, I'm out on a golf course, and by the way, I hardly golf at all. I golf like once or twice a year. It's just too much of a waste of time for me, but I'm out there on a the golf course with a friend of mine, And this would have been like 2004, 2005. And this friend of mine worked for one of the larger accounting firms in the US, and he was what was their bank workout guy. Okay, so whenever a bank wanted to sell, maybe a bank wanted to buy another bank, et cetera, they'd bring him in. As the expert to kind of put everything together to be able to sell the bank, buy a bank, et cetera, so he is basically known in the state of Iowa anyway as the bank workout go-to guy. All right, so I'm talking with him on the golf course one day. We're golfing together. It's a charity event, and I said, you know what, you should start your own bank. I mean, you know what you're doing. You know what to do. You know what not to do, et cetera, et cetera. You know you should like think about starting your own bank now. I mean, I'm kind of serious about it. I'm kind of not serious about it. But I'm like, you know, you should maybe think about it. Well, I'll be damned. A week later, he calls me and he says, Hey, Darren, guess what? What? I'm I'm going to start a bank. Uh, Really? Do you want to join me? I said, hell yes. Let's do it. So we gathered some investors and we started a bank. And as a result of my involvement in the formation A founder of the bank, as well as my involvement in and expertise in the world of commercial real estate, specifically multifamily. I was also brought in to sit on the credit committee of that bank and sit on the board of directors of that bank. Okay, so we owned that bank for roughly about five years and then we ended up selling that bank five years later. Okay, so I got like direct experience with this. I've been behind the curtains. I've seen what goes on, and so when I see these banks failing, uh, I, I kind of know what's happening. I kind of know what's going on from a behind-the-curtain standpoint because I've been behind the curtain. So that's where I'm coming from with this, not only from the knowledge of working with some of the smartest people in the U.S. with multifamily day in and day out, but you know, I used to own, sit on the board of directors, and sit on the credit committee of a bank, so knowing that. With that being our foundation, let me give you a few things that you really need to know. All right, But let's start with this. What I'm not going to cover is things like why the bank failure happened, who's to blame. Uh, I'm not going to get any kind of political on you. I'm not going to go into the weeds on how this all started and how it could have been avoided. And you already know and heard all of that. I don't think that that's really useful information to you. What I want to provide you is useful information you can use in terms of now your attitude and philosophy about banks, about credit unions too, okay? So you can make better informed decisions. Fair enough? All right. So let's jump into one of the first things. And this is going to sound pretty damn obvious, but I want to make sure that I start with this as our, I guess, as our starting point. Okay. Number one is whenever rumors start to go around. Okay, So these banks started to fail mainly because of rumors. And understand one thing. All banks have a liquidity problem. They all have a liquidity problem. Doesn't matter their size. Doesn't matter where they're located. They all have a liquidity problem. Right from the very beginning. And all I mean by that is they have... They don't have as much cash sitting in the bank to give back to all of their depositors in the event all of their depositors come in on a Friday and they say, hey, yeah, we want all of our money. So that's called a run on the banks. Well, you can't avoid a run on the banks because banks are by definition not liquid, right? Sure, they've got cash, they've got cash in deposit, they've got cash there, but they don't nearly have enough cash to cover everybody in the event that there is a run on the bank, which is why the FDIC comes in and helps kind of shore that up. So understand that right away. That's the case with every bank, small, large, there is always a liquidity problem in the event there's a run on the bank. They never ever have enough capital and cash just sitting there waiting to give back to their depositors In the event, they all line up on a Friday and they say we want our money. So understand that going forward. That's just the way it is. okay. And by knowing that and understanding that that's the case, you already realize one important thing. Banks and credit unions, even though historically they've been pretty safe by definition, they've been pretty safe places to put your money historically, but are they 100% safe? Hell no. They're not. Never have been. Never have been. And I think a weakness among many of us, including myself, by the way, is many of us see banks as the 150% safe place to put your money where nothing can ever happen to it, especially compared to other investments, right? Well, we know that's not the case. We know that's not the case. So you need to, in the back of your mind, know banks, A, always have a liquidity problem, and B, they're not as safe as you probably have been thinking or have been led to believe, even though they're among the safest places to have your money, either savings, CDs, business accounts, check, whatever it is, okay, they're not totally 100% rock-solid safe. So understand that, understand that, okay, because banks inherently always have a liquidity problem. And the more loans they make, the more of a liquidity problem they have. Okay, so knowing that is the foundation, number one, that, you know what, no matter where you decide you're going to bank, small town, large town, big city, small town, big bank, small bank, they've always got a liquidity problem, okay? And and they are never as 100% safe as you think they are. That's number one, all right? So make sure you understand that. So let's get to number two. What is number two? The number two thing you need to be thinking of. Remember, we're talking evergreen today, five years from now, 10 years from now, about banks and your relationship with banks. The one thing that many people have no clue about that they should be digging into is simply this. Who is it that owns the bank and who is it that sits on the bank board of directors? Let me ask you a question right now. Do you know who owns your bank? Do you know who sits on the bank board of directors? I bet you don't. And I'm not picking on you. I'm not trying to call you out. I'm saying it's a fact that 95 plus percent of people that choose where they bank don't know who owns it, don't know who sits on their board of directors. Well, one of the most important things you got to know are those two things. Okay, because once you know that information, then you can understand what motivates and moves the decisions that the bank makes. Okay? That's what moves and motivates the decisions that the bank makes, is who owns them and who's on their board of directors. Now, many times many of the owners are also on the board of directors too, like I was. So I own part of the bank, and I was also on its board of directors. So that's not an uncommon thing, right? But who is it that sits on the board of directors? What kind of experience do they have? What kind of leadership skills do they have? What kind of um, bad experiences have they maybe guided companies through, other businesses through? How have they done when things have really kind of gone upside down? Maybe, I'll just say it, maybe when the shit has hit the fan, how have they done in other areas? Maybe with this bank or maybe with other businesses or other areas that they're involved in. Because quite frankly, the direction that the bank is going to go and your success as a depositor is really going to depend on ownership and board of directors, decision making, and their experience okay and their experience so let me give you a quick example all right so the bank that i used to own here's who basically sat on the board of here's who sat on the board of directors just to give you a quick example so you had me who had decades of commercial real estate experience okay you also had another gentleman who owned another bank okay that had decades of agricultural lending experience then you had another gentleman who owned a bunch of car dealerships OK, and had experience for decades owning car dealerships and, you know, doing all. So you see kind of what was going on there and you got an idea of, you know, who's really, what's the culture of that board of directors like? OK, that's what the question you want to know. And how much experience do they have, not only outside of banking, but in the world of banking? And most importantly, what kind of leadership skills do these people have? All right? Because it's those decisions as a leader that leads the bank in directions that could be terrific or directions that we have found when banks fail to be not so terrific. All right? So part of your research, part of the thing that you need to do is who is on the board of directors of these banks? Who owns these banks? And by the way, this is all public information. You can find this out. This isn't like a secret. Okay, Find out. Who it is that's driving the direction, making the decisions, so you philosophically know kind of what they're about, where they're coming from, and kind of what directions they're going to go. You don't want to be surprised by things because ownership made a certain decision or made a certain series of decisions that might not have affected you very well. Okay? You certainly don't want to go into it not knowing who is on the board of directors or who owns that bank. Okay? Okay? So find that information out all right, and get comfortable with that. And by the way, you may find out you're not comfortable with that. You may find they may be going in a direction that you're not quite comfortable with in terms of some of the recent decisions that they've made, maybe over the last six months, year, two years. Well, that might be a red flag for you to pick up some of your deposit money or all of it and maybe go somewhere else. Else, so I can tell you that there are banks that I will not, I will not do business with. Okay, they could come in my front door and they could say, "Here's all this free zero percent interest there and buy whatever multifamily property you want, zero um, percent." And by the way, part of that is you move all your deposits over to our bank. Even if I had that offer, there's no way I would do business there. Why? Because I know who their board of directors are. I know philosophically what they think, how they do things in the directions that they go. And with my personal and business goals and where I want to go with my mission and my direction, there's too much of a clash there. It just doesn't make sense. So I choose not to bank there and do business there, even though I easily could. You, my friend, need to be doing the same thing. You, my friend, need to be doing the same thing. All right? Now, we've covered two things so far. We've covered the problem of liquidity. Remember, banks by definition are not liquid, all right? They just are not, so you need to understand that and know that right up front. No matter the size of the bank, doesn't matter. Number two, part of your due diligence is not taking this casually. Who sits on the board of directors? What are they, where are they philosophically? What kind of decisions? Have they made by the way? All this reporting and information is out there for you to find and look through. Do not take that part casually. Okay. And here's number three, which is probably the most important thing, important part of this. And that's simply this. We are now, actually, we have been now for a number of years. I've been talking about this now going on 10 years. We have been shifting financially from a place of highest rate of return to place of highest insulation and protection for our money. Okay, let me say that again. We have been shifting from where can I get the highest possible return I can, and let's put our money there, to where can I get a decent return, but almost more importantly, or in most cases more importantly, where what provides me the most protection and the most insulation with my money okay that is now starting to overtake rate of return why is that because of what we're going through right now because of what we're going through right now because what we have discovered or what you have maybe discovered which i've known now for a while just of course based on my experience is that banks are not 100 percent safe that CD that you've got sitting at your bank right now, if you think that's 100% covered, even with FDIC insurance, I can tell you there's a chance that it might not be. It might not be. Now, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to put fear in you. I'm not trying to create a panic like I talked about before. It's just the truth. So, more and more investors are making the decision to take some of those monies out of those savings accounts, out of those money market accounts, out of those CDs, not all of it, but some of it and put it in other places that in their mind provide them a better feeling of insulation and protection with their money. And there's a lot of alternatives out there. There's a lot of alternatives out there. There's no perfect alternative Right. But there's a lot of alternatives out there. So, for example, when we did our last round of capital raises for uh, investors to get involved in owning apartment communities with me here in the heartland of America. Nine out of ten of those investors did so for protection and insulation. Rate of return was down the list. That's right. Rate of return was down the list. Now, of course, they're expecting a rate of return, obviously, but they're thinking more like, okay, where can I park? Where can I park my money uh, where I feel it's pretty safe? It's pretty insulated. It's pretty much protected compared to other places. And 9 out of 10 of those investors chose multifamily ownership here in the heartland as their place, their investment place. So make sure you understand this. Investment place is now taking over in importance compared to investment rate of return. Both very important, both very important. But if you don't have the money in the first place, if it's gone, that rate of return (laughs) doesn't really do you much good. Okay, and again, I'm not saying that um, Heartland Multifamily is the place for everybody because it's not perfect either. Okay, there's there's no perfection here. But as an alternative for a lot of people, it's turned into a really good alternative. Not only get a good rate of return, but also place protection and insulation. So here's what that tells you. You need to be thinking about this. What other place should you be thinking of to park your money? What other places should you be thinking of that provides you insulation and protection? You don't want to be asking yourself this question, if your bank starts having a problem, that's a little bit too late. Don't you think? Yes, it is too late. So think about other places that you could be moving some of your money, protect it and insulate it versus having it all in a bank or divided between 65 bank accounts to you know, try to make sure that all their bases are covered, all right, where you've got that level of insulation and protection there, okay? And again, Heartland Multifamily is great for that. Of course, I think it's great for it. That's where the majority of my net worth is located but it's not perfect. Uh, This is not me saying that it's the perfect place and the safest place and it's 100% safe. Anything can happen, but I'm just telling you based on me doing this for over 30 years and other investors, like I said, nine out of 10 in our last capital raise chose that as the number one reason to get involved in Heartland Multifamily. I'm I'm sharing that with you as an example of you thinking now, what other place should I be thinking of here? other than the bank, other than the credit union, what other place, and what's my plan in maybe lifting some of that capital up and moving it to that place, okay? Now, what we've covered here during this kind of emergency, evergreen, right, episode of the Heartland Multifamily Show, I think gives you some pretty clear direction, some pretty clear information, not only whenever you're watching this, but this is also good two years down the road, seven years down the road, heck, 15 years down the road. These are the things you need to be not only knowing and understanding, but thinking of and then possibly taking action on, okay? Because, again, far too many of us, me included, take banking a little too casually, okay? We don't dig into these things as much as we probably should. We're not involved in being a little bit more with implementation of some things as much as we should. And unfortunately, sometimes, some people find out the hard way that, yeah, they probably should have been more proactive with this information, okay? So, I hope this has been good information, valuable information that you can continue to use as you make decisions regarding banking. And I want to tell you, thank you for joining me on this episode. Uh, It's been a pleasure to give you and pass this information on to you. And the last thing I would tell you is implement it, use it, good luck.